Well, I want to welcome to the program, Father Wade Menezes. Father Wade, you're back. It's so great to have you here again. Well, thank you, Tom. It's good to be back. And uh, this time I hope to to drum up some, some holy interest in a retreat that I'll be giving there in your home area of Spokane. I love that. Yeah, there's a wonderful retreat center here called Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. It's on what's called the South Hill of Spokane. There are some beautiful views. It's a lovely space. I've been there a number of times for probably 20 years. I've gone to Immaculate Heart Retreat Center and it is wonderful. And it's a great place for folks to come, whether they drive or whether they stay. It's a it's a beautiful thing. In fact, what a great place to start, Father Wade. What Why is it important for folks to consider... And, and actually, too, make a retreat. Well, why, ah, what, what difference does that make in people's lives? Great question. Well, what does the word retreat mean? It means to pull back from, huh? We talk about the soldiers retreating from the front line of battle, uh, either because things are tough and uh, they know they have to retreat and pull back in a negative sense, or they retreat and pull back because things have gone very, very well. The fact is retreat means to pull back from, quote, unquote. And so the same thing for those of us living in the midst of the modern world, whether single or married or a consecrated priest, brother or sister, active or contemplative, a doctor, farmer, lawyer, homeschooling mother of six, uh, a divorced dad of three striving to live a chaste life, a university student, a high school student, uh, a working grandparent, a recently retired grandparent. How about a widowed grandparent or, or grandparents in the plural that just celebrated their 68th wedding anniversary? Doesn't matter. We're all called to pull back from our daily state in life, to recharge those batteries, to be able to be more effective soldiers of Christ uh, as members of the church militants still living on earth, to be able to give Christ to others. And a retreat helps us do just that. Yeah. I love that, Father. When I think about the scriptures and and the what Jesus did, how many times did Jesus pull back, right? How many times did he right. go oh. off to pray the whole night in prayer? Come away, he would say to his apostles and disciples, that there was something significant, meaningful, transformative that happens when we pull back. What are we pulling back from? Well, we're pulling back from the life that most people live. When you say to them, how are you? What their normal answer, the typical answer is, I'm busy. And that's just right, an excuse right. for not being intentional. And I'm not saying it's easy, but there is a way in which I I have, I, I've, I've, to the best of my ability, I mean, not to the best of my ability, stopped saying I'm busy because I, that's just a rationalization for not living in accord with the God-given call for my life. And so the idea of a retreat is a, a way of saying, you know what, I'm going to focus a little bit more on being intentional and focus on what's really important. So first of all, folks, we're talking about having Father Wade Menezes come here. He speaks all over the country and even beyond that, uh, around the world. He's on television, he's on the radio, EWTN, and he's coming to Spokane, folks. He's coming in range. Now, you don't get many opportunities to access Father Wade over the course of an entire weekend, over the course of many presentations. So there's many, many gifts that are connected here. But it's also the timing, Father Wade. You're coming in January. You're coming January the 20th to the 22nd, a Friday to a Sunday. That's the beginning of the calendar year. And right. so that's a wonderful like opportunity to say, let me kind of take stock of things before I launch into another craziness of another calendar year. 
And then the theme itself, work out your salvation. So I think it's like a threefer. It's not a twofer. It's a threefer. You get <laughs> Father Wade, you get the beginning of the year chance to step back and you get work out your salvation. So I love it. How do you, what, what could possibly go wrong with that wonderful gifting altogether? Actually, I'd like to add one more. So it's a fourfer, huh? <laughs> because a month earlier, a month earlier, we will have just started the entire new liturgical year, which begins with the first Sunday of Advent. This year, the first Sunday of Advent is on November 27th, right? So uh, really for the Catholic Christian or for the Christian in general, but especially Catholic Christians, because we follow the liturgical year so beautifully, you know, the three-year Sunday cycle of readings, the two-year weekday cycle of readings, really the first Sunday of Advent, again, this year, November 27th, is really our New Year's Day. And then on January 1st, the great solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, which is the octave day of Christmas, December 25th to January 1st, is, is one of the big octaves we celebrate. The other big octave we celebrate is the Easter octave from Easter Sunday to Divine Mercy Sunday. But this Christmas octave, which ends the eighth day on Mary, Mother of God, the secular New Year's Day, that's when we uh, really want to renew our efforts to those resolutions we made on the first Sunday of Advent. So yeah, the title of the of the retreat is Work Out Your Salvation, and that's based on Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, when St. Paul tells the church members at Philippi, look, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is God's will that you be saved. It is not God's will that you be reprobated, a, a nice way of saying damned, right? So it's important to remember what the church fathers said in their scriptural exegesis about this passage from Philippians 2.12 in regards to fear, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, it's not a servile fear. It's not the fear of punishment, say, of a, of a servant under a master or a subordinate under a, a superior uh, that's afraid of a punishment coming if they don't do what the, what the superior or, or master wants. No, it's not servile fear that we have of God. It's a filial fear. It's it's the the fear of a of a uh, of a loving son or daughter who doesn't want to f uh, offend the parent, not because they feel a punishment would come if they did offend the parent. No, it has nothing to do with punishment. Rather, they don't want to offend the parent precisely because they know the parent loves them. Filial fear, Tom, not servile fear. Filial fear comes, as I said, from the Latin filius, which means son, or colloquially it means son or daughter or even child. So we have a filial fear of God. It's the fear of not wanting to disappoint, precisely because we know the parent loves us. It doesn't have anything to do with punishment. And a few of these uh, uh, points are brought out well in, in, some, in some quotes that I have here on servile fear versus filial fear. First uh, John 4 says that love has no room for fear, right? And it's the fear of, of a child who loves their parent. Love has no room for fear. Rather, perfect love casts out all fear. How about John 8, 35? A slave, meaning servile, a slave does not remain in a household forever, but a son always remains. And I love this one, St. Francis de Sales, we must fear God out of love, not love him out of fear. And Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7, uh, the proof that you are sons and daughters is the fact that God has sent forth into our hearts the spirit of his son, which cries out, Abba, Father, right? Again, filial fear, not servile fear. Uh, you are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. So we want to work out our salvation with filial fear. We're called to be saved as Paul tells the church members of Philippi, look, it is God's will that you be saved. It is not God's will that, God's will that you be uh, reprobated. So 
these talks this weekend at, at Spokane on the weekend of, of January 20th through the 22nd at IHM Retreat Center there in Spokane, I want people of all vocations and states in life to come to this retreat. I want singles. I want marrieds. I want consecrated religious actives and contemplatives, the contemplatives if they can get permission uh, from their, their, their congregation to, to depart for that weekend. Uh, I want young people. I want older people. I want married grandparents, widowed grandparents. Why? I'll tell you why. Because your sanctification begins right where you are. Uh, I say this in talk number one over the course of the weekend. Uh, talk number one, I, I make it clear, which is titled, Be Faithful to Your Daily Duty. Why? Because that's where your sanctification begins, right where you are. Again, single, married, consecrated, religious, doctor, farmer, lawyer, homeschooling mother of six, a divorced dad of three, striving to live a chaste life, retired grandparent, working grandparent, doesn't matter. Be faithful to your daily duty because that's where your sanctification begins. But because we're wounded, Tom, resultant of the fall of our, of our first parents, original sin, we tend to look for holiness in other places, like a, unless I do the rosary this way on my knees, it's not going to be seen as, as efficacious in God's sight. Well, you're thinking of God in a servile way, you know, don't get your rosary in, get into your rosary. Oh, right? I like that. <laughs> you know, uh, don't make, don't make prayer your work, make work your prayer. So the first talk, or I should say the because there's more than five talks, but the 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 counting the homilies, but the the first of five lessons over the course of the weekend is be faithful to your daily duty. And two saints that encapsulate that for me is Saint Jose Maria Escriva, the founder of Opus Dei, who really is one of our own contemporaries. He died only in 1975. He says this quote: "God wants to make you a saint right there where you are." End quote. God wants to make you a saint right there where you are. Well, this from the founder of Opus Dei, Latin for work of God, which he founded for what? Laity, singles and marrieds. It was only years later that priests were able to join Opus Dei because Opus Dei was made a personal prelature, a level of congregation found in canon law. So priests were able to join then to serve the members of Opus Dei. But he originally founded it for laity to sanctify their, their daily duty right where they are and thus sanctify the world and become great saints. The second quote is from St. Catherine of Siena, one of the great female doctors of the church, 16th century. She says, quote, if you are what you should be, you will set the world ablaze. If you are what you should be, you will set the world ablaze. So two great quotes to, to kick off the first lesson of five over the course of the weekend uh, of the retreat titled Work Out Your Salvation, that first step of five being be faithful to your daily duty. Why? Because your sanctification begins right there where you are. Yeah. Father Wade, you you, you talk like that. And I think that it it's a lot of that's a lot of wisdom for folks like who are listening or watching this interview right now. Um, because I think that we associate growing in holiness most often with specific devotional actions. That yeah. somehow my holiness is connected to, okay, I put down my daily duty activities uh -huh. and I go off and I read the Bible, pray my rosary or do some other devotion. But somehow the idea that the Lord is right in the midst of those things as I serve well and am faithful to tasks that often just appear drudgery and appear like they're far from God. Right. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas in his treatise on holiness 
He says, you need two things to grow in holiness and personal sanctity. Number one, realize that holiness is not a pose, P-O-S-E, like this all day. People love it when I give that pose. I like that. That's good. <laughs> they That's say at the good. end of parish mission or their retreat, Father, Father, can we get a picture with you? But on one condition, Father Wade, we want you to do the holy pose. You know, yeah. <laughs> so holiness is not a pose. It's it's it, it. That's the first thing he says about growing in holiness. You have to understand that holiness is not a pose. Number two, in order to grow in holiness, personal sanctity, you need good self knowledge. Know your virtues. Admit them to advance them in your life. Know your vices, admit them to begin to uproot them out of your life, right? So holiness is not a pose and have good self-knowledge. Well, those things begin right where you're at with your daily duty. Mm -hmm. You know, a homeschooling mother of six with her six children that she homeschools is not going to be like this all day. That's she'll be like holiness. this. I don't know if she'll ever be like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And her her six children forming a, a half circle horseshoe, and all six of them are like this as well. Yeah, I mean, right. it ain't going to happen. Look at the look at the contemplative orariums, Latin for schedule. Look at the daily orariums of the contemplative cloistered communities of monks and and nuns. I just did my monthly day of recollection and my monthly day off side by side, two full days at the Passionist Nuns Monastery in Whitesville, Kentucky, beautiful place. Go online and see their, their monastery. It's, it was built uh, in, in the early 90s, but beautiful uh, architecture done very, very well for modern times. Beautiful community of sisters. You look at a community's orarium, their daily schedule, like those nuns who are cloistered. Uh, you think all they do all day is pray? I asked the laity at the retreat. Heck no, there's a, there's a work period there's daily mass, there's community prayer, like the divine office, the breviary. Then there's the work period where each sister has her assignment. One's a cook, one's the gardener, one's the portress uh, handling the door that day. One might be the techie. If, if the website goes down, they got to fix it. Uh, there's all kinds of things that they do. Uh, the extern sisters are going to do the shopping. Uh, so it, it's, it's, it's not just prayer. It's not just work. St. Thomas also teaches, interestingly enough, that really there's a third area to grow in holiness, Tom, and it's a balance daily, a balance daily of three things, prayer, work, and recreation. Why? He says, because we're a body-soul composite, that, that's why. If all we do is pray all day, it's going to fatigue the soul. If all we do is work all day, it's going to fatigue the body. And if all we do all day is leisure or recreate, it's going to lead us into running the risk of leading ourselves into many vices. Interestingly enough, he says, uh, especially the vices of slothfulness and buffoonery. And I had to look up what he meant by buffoonery. I, I know the modern sense of buffoonery. It's not far off from the modern sense. St. Thomas is writing this in the 13th century. It's, it's the one who thinks that life is one big joke. There's nothing to take serious about life. And there are things to be taken serious about life, like the importance of the morning offering. How do you know that's not the day you're going to die? The morning offering is a staple Catholic spiritual practice in, in Catholic spiritual life. So we're not meant to be slothful. We're not meant to be buffoons. So to grow in holiness of this third area, you need a daily balance, daily balance of prayer, work, and recreation. And that's tied to the, to the doctrine of the body-soul compositeness of the human person. You know, we don't have bodies. We are bodies. We don't have souls. We are souls. 
that's how intimate and intricate the, the body-soul compositeness is, Tom, in, in the human person and his or her own individual dignity. We don't have bodies, we are bodies. We don't have souls, we are souls. So we're not meant to pray constantly because it will fatigue the body. Uh, work constantly, excuse me, it'll fatigue the body. We're not meant to pray constantly, it will fatigue the soul. And we're not meant to recreate or leisure constantly because we run the risk of leading ourselves into many vices, especially buffoonery and sloth. So instead we need a balance daily. He, he stresses the adjective daily. We need a daily balance of prayer, work, and recreation. What a great message for that homeschooling mother of six. How many children do you and your wife have? You have we over have, five. Yeah, we have nine kids. Yeah. Not nine kids. So, so this is a great message for you and your wife as lay people living in the world with a larger family, beautiful larger family. You got to maybe work at fitting in your leisure, your recreation. But even if it's a good book in the evening when you're when you're winding down or taking in a good black and white film, you know, I like the old gangster movies, the old suspense film noirs, you know, that you can find on one of the old classics channels. You know, you know, ninety minutes taking in a good plot of a good movie, you know, it, it could be a form of recreation. Going out and shooting basketball with your boys, you know, it, it, whatever it is. But we need that daily balance of prayer, work, and recreation. St. Thomas wraps it all up. He says this. He says, look, where the angels are non-embodied spirits, the human person is an embodied spirit. That's how intimate and intricate the body-soul compositeness is in us. So holiness is not a pose. Have good self-knowledge. Know your virtues to advance them. Know your vices to begin to uproot them. And live a daily balance of prayer, work, and recreation. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. That's Father Wayne Manises joining me today on the program, talking about working out our salvation. What does that actually look like? And, and the, one of the first things it looks like is being faithful to our daily duty. Father Wade's going to be here in the Spokane area at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center beginning on January the 20th. That's a Friday in the evening, leading until Sunday in the afternoon, a retreat called Work Out Your Salvation, again, drawn from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Immaculate Heart Retreat Center is ihrc.net, ihrc.net. You can register for this retreat, and it's filling up, folks. It's filling up if you're in the area or you can get to the area. You don't want to miss this. It's at a beautiful time of year as you're launching into your new calendar year, a month into the new liturgical year. Beautiful opportunity to be reflective and be intentional to grow in holiness and to work out our salvation. Father Wade, as um, as I'm hearing you talk like this, it's I think that like the pray and the work are probably the things that we get uh, we probably get a, uh, get our minds around the easiest. It's the leisure part, I think that yeah. is almost the most difficult for us to to get involved in, maybe because of the the internet in particular, social media and all this, it it can draw us in and it can absorb us in ways that 
I think we miss out on some of the deeper meanings of leisure that have to do with connecting to the world in, in a contemplative way, in an appreciative way. And, uh, and so I think that that's a battle that a lot of folks face. And, and what can happen is we can become very self-absorbed rather than other-centered. And so that that whole reality of getting outside ourselves, getting outside ourselves into God's creation, into the world in which we're living, um, how... Um, how is that going to be showing up as a theme uh, in in your in your retreat? This idea of let's get outside ourselves right. to live the life that God has for us. Well, to answer that, let me tell you what the five areas of study are over the course of the weekend in this specific order, because each one feeds the next one. Okay, so number one, be faithful to your daily duty. Number two, be other centered. Number three, understand the reality of vice and virtue. Number four, practice and live the sacraments. And number five, live a Trinitarian spirituality. All things ordered to the Father, through the Son, in the Holy Spirit. The same formula as the opening or collect prayer is at the Mass, at every single Mass we attend, a Sunday Mass or a weekday Mass. The collect prayer after the opening rites and the penitential rite, the prayer that concludes the opening rites of the Mass, which includes the penitential rite, Tom, is always directed to the Father, through the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our goal is to be Trinitarian-centric, because we're going to spend an eternity with all three divine persons, so we better start focusing on that now while living this average of 78 years, right? So if you're being faithful to your daily duty, I'll use you as an example, a husband and father, or anyone who's who's a husband and father, any man out there. If you're being faithful to your daily duty as a husband and father and a worker, work, you know, your place of work, you're automatically being other-centered and you're working on virtue. Remember, the third talk is understand the reality of vice and virtue. Mm -hmm. But if you're not being faithful to your daily duty, if you're doing what you want to do and you're being slackful at work and the boss has called you in and has threatened you with, with having to terminate your employment, which is going to then affect your, your wife and your children... If you're doing what you want to do, you're not being faithful to your daily duty. You're being very self-centered and it's leading to vice. Okay. So if we're faithful to our daily duty, we're doing what we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it and the way it's supposed to be done. We're automatically being other centered and we're working on virtue. The third talk, understand the reality of vice and virtue. But if we're not being faithful to our daily duty, if we're doing what we want to do, okay, we're being very self-centered, the opposite of other-centeredness, and we're working on vice. Thus, number four, practice and live the sacraments. We need the sacraments to sustain us in those first three steps, being faithful to your daily duty, being other-centered, and understanding the reality of vice and virtue. We need the sacraments to sustain us. And then we start working on that Trinitarian-centric attitude, eternity-mindedness, even in the here and now, wanting to give my life, my my wife, my children, my work, my finances to the triune Godhead. Every aspect of my life, I want to give to the triune Godhead, offering everything, your work, your prayer, your recreation, offering all things to the Father, through the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. That's important. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I love that. That's really powerful. I think, Father Wade, as um, as you're talking about these things, and if we um, focus in for a moment on the reality of being other-centered, it's something that introduces a kind of joy that's available to us as Christians 
that isn't natural. It's really supernatural. It's a joy that comes from dying to self, like what I want to do with my time, what I want to do with my energy. And okay, I'm done working today. And now I've got my kids around and gee, it would be so nice to be able to just do what I want to do. But instead, my kids are drawing me out of myself into what is valuable to them and getting pulled out of myself, dying to that self. It it brings a kind of fulfillment that's only known if I'm willing to focus on them first and strive to literally and be involved in self-donation, right? Loving in a way that is after the manner of Christ, giving of myself for them. And so that that is not easy. It's it's never easy or fun to die to self, but if I can remember what happens as a result, it brings so much joy. Right. And you're uniting your life to the cross of Christ, which was the preeminent example of other centeredness, other centeredness. No greater love is there than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Mm-hmm. And he did it on the cross, literally in a, in a bloody way, in a red martyrdom. You're, you're referring to maybe a white martyrdom, the white martyrdom of having to die to self and, you know, trials and tribulations. And I got to do this, but I don't feel like doing it, uh, et cetera. It's, it's a white martyrdom, this dying can I, self. Can I you tell know? my wife that loving her well is, is a white martyrdom? Can I say, Father Wade said... <laughs> That sure. being married to you, honey, is a white martyrdom. Can I say that? <laughs> and tell your tell each kid the same thing. Your love yeah, for each kid right. is a white martyrdom. But uh, you know, we're not all called to a, a red martyrdom. Some right. are, some aren't. But you know, we're we're called to a, a definitely called to a white martyrdom. I think that's for everybody, just because of the reality of the fall of our first parents. And you know, and this is where you get the faux pas entering one's life if one doesn't keep oneself in check. You know the talk on virtue and vice, I I talk about the issues, the dependencies, the addictions, you know, St. Augustine with his lust addiction, um, St. Padre Pio with his his issues with anger, all the while bearing the stigmata. Explain that one to me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He dealt with unjust anger. He he worked on it constantly. Um, How about Blessed Bartolo Longo with his involvement in Satanism and the occult? Uh, St. Mary of Egypt with her prostitution. St. Camillus de Lalis with his gambling addiction. How about this? Uh, uh, St. Marguerite de Yulville, one of our own great Canadian patronesses of our northern neighbors in Canada. Uh, she had a, a nasty mother-in-law who tried to kill her, right? She had an unfaithful, adulterous husband who cheated on her behind her back. She never knew her father because her father died when she was only two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family's poverty was extreme as a result of the father dying, her father, St. Marguerite de Yilville. So, you know, we look to the lives of the saints to see how they handled their issues, their dependencies, their addictions, and they give us hope for our own lives. One thing I like to tell my my friends uh, when I, that I preach to is uh, the saints lived in the modern world of their time, just as we live in the modern world of our time. If they did it, we can do it. You know, Father Wade, uh, I'm talking with Father Wade Menezes again, folks, and you're listening to this program on a Tuesday, and at Tuesday at noon Pacific time, Father Wade is on open line here on EWTN on Sacred Heart Radio. You can call in and ask Father Wade a question. You can comment on the fact that you heard him this morning on Sound Insight, 
And he'd love to hear from you. He'd love to hear your questions, uh, even bring questions about the retreat or about some theme that you were talking about today. So you you continue to listen to Sacred Heart Radio. And I know you listen to the open line programs Monday to Friday. Father Wade is on on Tuesday. So I'd love to have you let him know, hey, Father Wade, I just heard you earlier today. So Father Wade, we're talking about a retreat you'll be giving at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center here in Spokane. Coming up January the 20th to the 22nd. Uh, you can register for the event at ihrc.net, ihrc.net to register for this because it's going to sell out. It will sell out. And uh, I want to make sure that you have a chance to to be blessed by being with Father Wade and many others that will be on retreat that weekend. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. So Father Wade, um, you're you're talking about uh, understanding the reality of virtue and vice and living in our own times. One of the things that I hear from priests is the scourge that um, the internet has introduced into the spiritual lives of many. And we think, first of all, of internet pornography and the associated sins that flow from that. And how that damages the purity and it damages the fidelity of men and married couples, but even of women, right? Uh, that, 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 that can be drawing them in and lead them to spiritual bondage. But then there's also the depression, anxiety, loneliness that comes from uh, the use and overuse of smartphones to be taking in information that disturbs their peace and and makes them feel less than the, the dignity that is theirs as children of God because uh, they don't get enough likes. They don't get enough uh, uh, positive feedback and affirmation from their posts, but things, things of that sort. When you think about the reality of virtue and vice and becoming saints in our time, um, where do you see the 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 front, the battle fronts that we're facing regarding vices that are coming against us? And how do you see the internet um, as part of that battle front that lots of folks are facing? Well, I think the internet is a beautiful, beautiful invention. And we're Catholic. Remember, we're, we're not Amish. And that, that's nothing against our Amish brothers and sisters. We have some wonderful Amish families that live right near us here at Fathers of Mercy in Auburn, Kentucky. But they'll tell you they're anti-technology. They don't want anything to do that. Well, that's not us. We're Catholic. We see the internet as a beautiful, beautiful invention. But like anything else, it needs to be tempered. This is where the discipline of the spiritual life that feeds over into the discipline of one's temporal life or secular life comes into play. And this is why something like a retreat is so good for people. Monthly confession, weekly Eucharist, um, praying with your spouse, uh, praying with your confers if you're in religious life, praying with your sisters if you're in the convent. Um, if you're single, holy friendships. Uh, what's the old saying? Garbage in, garbage out. Virtue in, virtue out, right? So look, I'm not I'm not going to, and, and I'm not saying you're trying to lead me to this. I, I know you're not, in fact, but I'm not going to bash the internet. I'm not going to bash 
the goodness of wine. Even St. Paul says, take a little wine for your stomach, right? Mm-hmm. I'm Portuguese. The Portuguese love wine. <laughs> but wine can become an evil in a person's life if it's not kept in check. So for example, uh, as Catholics, uh, we love the internet. We see no problem with the internet. But if it's leading you into the scourge of internet pornography, whether single or married or consecrated religious, then no, as Catholics, we don't love the internet. As Catholics, we love wine. It's in scripture for crying out loud. Our Lord used it at the last supper, okay? And consecrated it into his precious blood, okay? Uh, through the miracle of transubstantiation. We don't have a problem with wine, but if if your love of wine becomes eight glasses a night, because that's the only way you can deal with what is an already crumbling marriage, then uh-uh, sorry. As Catholics, we don't love wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Catholics, uh, we love science and technology. But if your love for science and technology leads to creating human persons in glass petri dishes in science labs subject to the labs themselves and those running the laboratories, then uh-uh. as Catholics, we don't love science and technology. But as Catholics, we love science and te- technology and we love wine and we love the internet. As Catholics, we love fashion. I mean, look, look at this, right? <laughs> we, we love fashion. But if your love for fashion uh, is having your 15-year-old daughter look 25, then no, sorry, as Catholics, we don't love fashion. But as Catholics, we love fashion, okay? So this is why my third talk on understanding the reality of vice and virtue is so important, okay? So as Catholics, we love faith, but if your faith becomes extremely rigid or too ca- or too lax, then we know we have to work on our faith to make it balanced. There's a great quote that I give in my third area over the course of the weekend. Again, understand the reality of vice and virtue. It's from St. Jean-Marie, not St. Jean-Marie Vianney, excuse me, uh, St. Philip Neri. St. Philip Neri, the founder of the Oratorians, uh, who was a very happy-go-lucky fella. He was known to be a very sanguine temperament. His morning offering, and we know this from his writing, St. Philip Neri, each morning upon arising, he would pray this, Oh God, stay by your Philip today. Because if you do not, your Philip will betray you before the day is over. Mm-hmm. Amen. That tells me that this happy-go-lucky fella, this sanguine temperament saint, had good self-knowledge. One of the three things that St. Thomas Aquinas teaches that you need to grow in holiness. Good self-knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Daily balance of prayer, work, and recreation, okay? And understanding that holiness is not a pose, P-O-S-E. Oh, God, stay by your Philip today, because if you do not, your Philip will betray you before the day is over. That was his morning offering. Now, St. Jean-Marie Vianney says this, the person of true sanctity, true holiness, is the one who is just as consciously aware of the dark side of himself as he is for his need for the grace and mercy of God. He holds both in a balance, the dark side of himself, as well as his need for the grace and mercy of God. Why is that important? I'll tell you why it's important, Tom, because if all we do is focus on the dark side of ourselves, with no hope of, of ever correcting ourselves through the spiritual life and God's grace, it can lead to the sin of despair. Mm-hmm. But if all we do is focus on the love and grace and mercy of God, all the while still sinning without any real effort to correct our ways, that could lead to the sin of presumption on God's mercy the opposite of despairing of God's mercy. So we don't want to despair of God's mercy, nor do we want to presume on God's mercy, right? Listen to Jean Vianney again, St. Jean-Marie Vianney. 
the person of true sanctity, true holiness, is the one who is just as consciously aware of the dark side of himself as he is for his need for the grace and mercy and love of God. He holds both in a balance. So when it comes to created goods, which is where the vices can come into play, the internet, alcohol, fashion, uh, use of media, whatever, uh, this is where the problems come in. You know, I asked people to give a witness during this third area, understand the reality of vice and virtue. When I talk about gluttony, I say, yes or no, does, is, does gluttony regard only food products? Gluttony, the, it's one of the seven capital sins, gluttony. No, it doesn't involve only food products. Okay, you're right. You're all, you're all right, retreatants. You're all correct. Give me some examples of things we can be a glutton of that uh, is not a food product. Almost always, the first one is social media. We could be a glutton with the internet and social media. I've had shopping given as an example, okay? I've had sports given as an example, okay? Sports become our demigod on Sundays, you know? Sometimes at the expense of attending mass, Sunday mass obligation. And it's an obligation not because we fear God, no, but because we love God. That's why it's a Sunday obligation, okay? Uh, you know, people give all kinds of examples of gluttony of non-food products. So we don't, the opposite extreme of gluttony is, is, uh, is wastefulness, you know, a, a type of wastefulness. We don't want to be wasteful. Okay. Uh, uh, we want to have a balance. Okay. We don't want to be a glutton. Don't want to be wasteful. So all things in a balance. And that's where temperance comes in. Temperance is the median virtue. Uh, found found between halfway between gluttony, I'm sorry, uh, not wastefulness. That's the opposite extreme of greed. The opposite extreme of, of being a glutton is deficiency. So we don't want to be deficient. Think of anorexia nervosa, for example. We don't want to be deficient, nor do we want to be a glutton. We want to be temperate, okay? Uh, with greed, the opposite extreme is wastefulness. With greed, I, give it to me. I want it all. I want it all. Gimme, 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 right? Greed, well, with the opposite extreme of greed, it's wastefulness. Ah, get rid of it. Who needs it? You know, the median virtue is uh, generosity. Mm -hmm. Generosity is the median virtue found halfway between greed and wastefulness. Having a generous spirit, giving it away if you need to give it away, and and don't let it bother you if you give it away. You know, a, a generous spirit. So each of the seven capital sins has an opposite extreme. That's its antithesis, but it's just as damaging in the person's life as the capital sin is. So in all seven of those, 14 total, right? The seven capital sins and the opposite seven extremes, all seven have an, an opposite corresponding virtue, a capital virtue that both extremes have to work on. So for example, pride is often listed first of the seven capital sins. Pride is called the capital of the capital sins. It's at the top of like a capital. You know what a capital is? It's the top of a pillar because it holds the roof system, right? A fancy scrolled uh, capital of a Greek pillar, for example. Well, pride is called the capital of the capital sins. <laughs> the other six stem from pride, all right? What's the opposite extreme of pride? Self-loathing. Mm -hmm. So the prideful person is like, oh yeah, I'm all about it. It's all about me, pride. Where the self-loathing person is like, Oh no, I, uh, no, don't, don't include me. I could never do that. No, very self-loathing. What's the median virtue of both? Humility. So even though pride and self-loathing are antitheses of one another's, they're the opposites of one another, 
The prideful person as well as the self-loathing person both have to work on the same virtue, humility. How about lust? One of the seven capital sins, dovetailing back to the evils of the internet if somebody lets the internet take over their life. What's the opposite extreme of lust? Prudishness. Seeing all things to do with human sexuality in a prudish way. Well, I'm sorry, that's just not the case. We're Catholic. We love human sexuality. We see it as a, as a beautiful gift that's part of our image and likeness made in, in a body, part of the image and likeness of God. God made us in his own image and likeness so that one day he would take on our own image and likeness. He took on a body soul composite, all right? So we love human sexuality and we understand the body is part of that, okay? And so is the soul part of sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. and, so, and so what's the median virtue found halfway between lust and prudishness? Well, the virtue of chastity. We're all called to be chaste, singles, marrieds, consecrated religious, uh, actives and contemplatives, widows and widowers, uh, we're all called to be chaste according to each one's state in life, but we're all called to be chaste. Even married couples are called to be chaste. There are some things in marriage, Tom, that are not permitted, right? For example, rape is possible in marriage, and that's an evil. That's a sin. So contraception is not allowed in marriage. That's evil. That's a sin. So we're all called to be chaste, each one according to his or her own state in life. Okay. So I have a, I have a single nephew, for example, who goes to college, right? Still a layman going to college. He's technically chalibus in the Latin, which simply means unmarried, right? He's, he's in a celibate state. His celibate state permits him to court, to be in courtship. My celibate state as a consecrated religious in three vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience with a religious congregation of pontifical right. My chalibus state, my celibate state does not permit me to date right? But we're both celibate. So we're all called to be chaste according to each one's own state in life. If he decides to court, it needs to be chaste courtship. I'm not even allowed to court because of my three vows. So my point is we're all called to be chaste, each one according to his or her own state in life. And this is when what we talk about, when we talk about understanding the reality of vice and virtue and living that balance, understanding the dark side, but not so much so that it leads us to despair and understanding the great love, mercy, and grace of God, but not so much that we presume on his mercy and never try to correct our faults. No, we need to try to correct our faults. The person of true sanctity is the one who is just as consciously aware of the dark side of himself as he is for his need for the grace and mercy of God. He holds all in a balance. St. John Marie Vianney. Yeah, by the way, I, the again, what you're sharing with us is these, these truths are so important and they require time to let them soak in, sink in. Uh, and that means space. That means an opportunity to reflect, to think on these things. To, to That's be why quiet. we have quiet time, quiet time during the course of the weekend while we're discussing this material. There's quiet time at the retreat. Yeah, I love that. And so what Father Wade is sharing with us today on the program, you can see is, is uh, the overarching themes of, of the retreat, work out your salvation. And that's coming up on January the 20th to the 22nd. The website, if you're watching this video, is IHRC, as in Immaculate Heart Retreat Center, .net, And you'll see it under events. If you go to the website under events, you'll be able to get to this particular weekend event coming up. And it gives you the ability to register for the event as well, right there on the website, um, as we talk about working out your salvation. 
Uh, and Father Wade, is a, he's the Father of Mercy. Again, you hear him on Tuesday at noon on open line call-in programs here on Sacred Heart Radio as part of the EWTN uh, programming that, that goes out. And so I encourage you to call today. Let him know that you heard him this morning on Sound Insight and uh, ask a question. Ask a question about something that you're hearing now or a question about your Catholic faith. Father Wade, as we continue on, um, living that, living in that balance, the way that you talked about it, it requires supernatural strength. Like That's how right. do we get the strength to be able to live out this faithfulness to daily duty in an other centered mode where we're understanding and battling against vice and living the virtues? The Lord gives us supernatural power and, and he gives us his accompaniment in doing that. And I think that brings us to the sacraments. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, seven sacraments, three categories, right? Seven sacraments, three categories. The three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. Two sacraments of vocation, also known as the two sacraments of, of union, uh, that are at the service of the populaces of the entire world, matrimony and holy orders. And number three, the two sacraments of healing, anointing of the sick and confession. Talk about the body-soul composite, the anointing of the sick, body, holy confession, soul, right? We're, we're not, we don't have bodies, we are bodies. We don't have souls, we are souls. So seven sacraments, three categories, three sacraments of initiation, two sacraments of vocation and union or communion, and two sacraments of healing. And the sacraments sustain us in being faithful to our daily duty. The sacraments sustain us in being other-centered. And the sacraments sustain us in understanding on a continuum the reality between vice and virtue. That's why practice and live the sacraments is the fourth over here, the fourth area of discussion. So be faithful to your daily duty, be, number one. Be other-centered, number two. Understand the reality of vice and virtue, number three. And now number four, practice and live the sacraments because the sacraments when practiced well weekly eucharist monthly confession etc they help sustain those first three areas and that's why it's so important you know show me a person who goes to confession faithfully once a month tom i don't care what their vocation or state in life is they go faithfully once a month for example in honor of the first friday devotion of the sacred heart or in honor of the first saturday devotion of the immaculate heart you know the nine first fridays and the five first saturdays it's an easy time to remember oh i got to get to confession it's first friday or oh i got to get to confession it's first saturday they go faithfully once a month 12 times a year chances are chances are they will not have mortal sin to confess why it's precisely the practice of a good holy monthly confession that is per se leading them away from committing mortal sin and if anything committing only venial sins yeah. now if one is still struggling with a particular vice alcoholism internet pornography whatever then go a little more often even if the person didn't fall excuse me even if the person didn't fall during his monthly confession which was two weeks ago he hasn't fallen in the alcoholism or the internet pornography these last two weeks Still go to confession at the two-week mark. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. My last confession was just two weeks ago, Father. Father, I'm not aware of any mortal sins. I'm here just for a, a, a simple devotional confession because I do struggle with alcoholism or I do struggle with internet pornography. And I want to um, uh, improve in this area. And even though I haven't fallen in this last two-week period, I want to confess that I do have that propensity to whatever. 
to break the bond of it, to break the bond of it. You know, there's there's an interesting quote, and I think it's from St. Jean-Marie Vianney as well. He says, when we go to confession, we should confess the most hideous and wicked mortal sins up front, if there are any, up front. Why? Because it throws the devil into immediate confusion and chaos. Isn't that great? See, he wants us to hide the more hideous and wicked and evil sins uh, to the very, very end of the confession. Don't do that. Confess them simply and up front because it throws the devil into immediate confusion and chaos, and he doesn't know what to do. He knows that you're exposing your wounds right up front to the confessor who is sitting there as Jesus Christ for you, your Savior. So much so that when the confessor imparts the words of absolution at the end, and he does it in the first person singular, I absolve you. He's not saying, I, Father Wade Menezes, absolve you. He's saying, I, Jesus Christ, absolve you, because the confessor is acting in persona Christi in the person of Christ. He's acting in persona Christi capitis, in the person of Christ the head. And that can't be forgotten. So the sacraments sustain us, Tom, big time, in these first three areas that we've talked about. By the way, I love that. And I have found that it, we're living in a time where the practice of confession is coming back. I think Amen. you and I yes. grew up in a time where confession was de-emphasized, there were even just communal penance services. And the idea of making a regular confession was associated with someone who had some kind of guilt complex, some neurosis. And uh, it, I, I'm so encouraged to hear you speak the way you do, Father Wade, because I don't think even now we hear it enough to make a practice of regular confession. Um, I I don't know, it was maybe about a year ago, I went to confession and, and I go monthly and I had gone, it had slipped by and I'd gone about two months and right. it was so fascinating when I confessed that the last time I was, I confessed was two months and the confessor said to me, you should really think about going more often. <laughs> yeah, thinking, there you go. How many priests say that, right? And and again, it, was, it wasn't like it was a far cry for me. That was my standard practice, but I'm so encouraged to hear that, that that what you're bringing to our audience right now is make a monthly confession and watch what the Lord will do to uproot sin from your life and to give you the grace to walk in holiness. I just think that's so beautiful. Yeah, and couple that with weekly Eucharist at your Sunday Mass obligation. At least, again, at least weekly Eucharist. Yeah. Yeah, and then I also recommend a weekly visit to the Blessed Sacrament, whether exposed or non-exposed. Not all parishes have a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel where our Lord's exposed in the monstrance. But try to do at least a weekly visit, if just 15 minutes on a Wednesday, to visit our Lord truly present in the Eucharist. And, and we have to enact all seven sacraments in our life. So I'm not married, but I love the sacrament of matrimony. Some of my dearest, closest friends here in Kentucky, for example— are some married couples that I'm very close to. You know, I'll have dinner with, with them and their family, or they come here on Sunday mass and we go out and get an ice cream or something. So, you know, you you and your wife are not involved with the sacrament of holy orders per se in your own vocation of marriage, but you befriend priests, you support priests. So all seven sacraments have to be enacted, quote unquote, even though they may not be received, quote unquote, in our individual life. They have to be enacted and lived in our life. So I'm a great promoter of the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. For example, you got somebody who's healthy as a horse. They, ha they have no illness whatsoever, okay? But they have two impacted wisdom teeth, and they're going to get the two 
impacted wisdom teeth pull because one's starting to be a little tender. And they're going to go ahead and pull out both of them at the bottom, right? The bottom molars. A lot of people don't know this. Anesthesia alone, which you're put under for, for taking the, the, the wisdom teeth out, at least you should be put under anesthesia, okay? But anesthesia is reason enough alone to receive the anointing of the sick. And a, Catholic, a lot of Catholics don't know that. Wow. Why, why is that the case? Because anesthesia can be dangerous, right? So a lot of Catholics don't know that. And so I, I'm a big promoter of the anointing of the sick, you know? Um, so, so these things are important to know the sacraments, to live the sacraments, to enact the sacraments in our daily life. Well, Father, you brought up something that I want to bring us back around and end with, which is all of this is because of the Blessed Trinity and uh, the the Father who is associated with our creation, Jesus who is associated with our redemption, the Holy Spirit associated with our sanctification, but leading mm-hmm. us back to a share in the Trinitarian life. I think that a retreat and this retreat is going to help us realize working out our salvation is an intimate Trinitarian act where we yeah. can come to know in a, in a more personal way each of the persons of the Trinity. Yeah, you know, the collect prayer at the, at the opening of Mass, at the end of the opening rites, right after the penitential rite, it's always directed to the Father, through the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's the formula for our life right now on earth during this average of 78 years. Those are the, the latest longevity statistics for those of us living in the West, okay? And I don't mean West Spokane either, okay? <laughs> but those of us living in, in, in the West, it's 78 years. Women live an average of 78.8 years. Men live an average of 78.4 years, okay? Women live a little longer than men. I think it's because they're better cooks, right? But <laughs> but, but men are better grillers. We're better grillers. I'm a Amen. big advocate of grilling. Okay, so the fact is, how are you going to spend this, this 71 years? Why do I say 71? Well, because the first seven, six and a half to seven, you're not held accountable morally because you haven't entered the age of reason. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have 71 years of making moral choices for God or against God, for this good or for this evil. For this virtue or for this vice, for this thing for my betterment or this thing for my detriment, right? And hopefully I'm going to choose all the things on this side that are good and not the things on this side that are bad, okay? Well, whether it's my prayer, my work, my recreation, those three things that Thomas Aquinas teaches, we need a daily balance of, daily, remember that adjective, my family life, my friendship life, my relationship with my spouse in and outside the bedroom, a chaste holy marriage. Um, how I treat my confers in religious life, um, my friendships, like these married couples that I use as, a, as an example, uh, good, holy friendships. I want to give all to the father through the son as the chief mediator between God and man, I'll offer everything to the father through the son in the Holy spirit. That's what's important. And, and the collect prayer, the mass is really the whole act of the mass and the collect prayer sets the tone at the beginning of Mass, at the end of the penitential rite, the end of the opening rites. The whole Mass is directed to the Father through the Son in the Holy Spirit. It's one act of divine praise to, through, and in the three divine persons in that order. And so the Mass is such a powerful prayer. This is why the Church calls it the source and summit of the entire Christian life. What Christian life? Well, this one of 78 years that we're living in the midst of the modern world. You know, so 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, the, the Father Wade Menezes has been my guest today on the program, and he is making another special visit out to our part of the country coming up next January, just in now two short months, the 20th through the 22nd, for a retreat that he's leading at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. Again, that's IHRC.net to come that's away right. for a while with the Lord and to go deeper in themes that are just of fundamental importance, being faithful to your daily duty, other Centered, understanding the reality of vice and virtue, living the sacraments, and doing so within a Trinitarian context. Father Wade, you've been very generous, um, again, with your time today on the program. One more time, just to know, three hours from now, Father Wade is going to be back on Sacred Heart Radio with the EWTN program of Open Line. It's a call-in show, an opportunity for you to interact with Father Wade, ask your questions, and let him know that you were listening this morning on Sacred Heart Radio. Yes. I know that would be a great blessing for you, Father Wade, to get yes. someone calling. I want, your from... listeners, I want your listeners three hours earlier who heard this taping uh, to call in the show, Open Line Tuesday, that same day at 12 noon your time. Uh, call in and say that you heard... Uh, Tom and Father Wade earlier today. That that would be great. Yeah. Well, great. thank you so much, Father Wade. Would, could you just uh, end our, our time together with a blessing, please? Absolutely. And as you know, I get my St. Joseph Terror of Demons pin out. I got to send you one of these. I want I gotta, one. I want one. <laughs> Maybe when I'm there in January, I'll give you a, a bundle. Yes, May the blessing please. of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of our In His Sign Network Listeners, and remain with each and every one of you this day and always, St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray, pray for us. us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That's Father Wade Menezes today.